Your Locked On Maple Leafs. Your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Leafs Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also the host of Leafs Lunch, also Al's brother on TSN's Overdrive. You can hit me up on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show as well at Locked On Leafs. If you like what you hear today, please consider subscribing to the podcast. Leave a rating and review as well. That would be much, much appreciated. And hey, be a friend. Tell a friend about Locked On Leafs. Make us your first listen of the day. Uh, Man, the Maple Leafs just falling to the New York Rangers in overtime. It was a hell of a game. Uh, A really weird one, but an entertaining overtime, to say the least. And to join me to chat about tonight's game for the recap, we're bringing back an old friend of the show, my good pal Tony Ferrari, now a draft contributor to the Hockey News. Tony, what's happening, pal? Long time no talk. Welcome back to Locked on Leafs. Yeah, it's good to be back. The season's going again. The Leafs are doing what the Leafs do and somehow disappointing us even after a good game. So uh, it's just back to the regular season, baby. That's exactly what it is. Back to the regular season. But like, realistically, like that was an entertaining overtime. It didn't get the results with Toronto falling 2-1 to one in overtime. Our Temi Panarin gets the OT winner. But both sides with some really good... like. Dude, how did Austin Matthews not bury on that follow-up opportunity? Like, how did Truba just tie him up so he wasn't able to get that shot off to keep it to keep this game alive? Like, I thought it was over for sure. It was crazy because there was multiple chances by by both Matthews. Nylander had a couple of chances. Uh, I think Marner, Marner even had a chance. And then the other way, it was the same thing. Panarin, Lafreniere, uh, Zibanejad all had chances. And then, yeah, like you said, off the face, off there at the end. And... Panarin puts it in and, and they kind of end it that way. But, oh, boy, what an entertaining overtime because, uh, yeah, like I said, it was a weird, weird first 60. And then in the overtime, everyone opened up and it got uh, some wagon hockey. Like Toronto, like, controlled that game pretty well from start to finish. Like, especially the second period, they just took it to Toronto. I think they outshot them like 14, or was it? Uh, 17 to two in the second period, five high danger chances to none, and 82 percent Corsi as a team through the second period. Like they really, really uh, set the tone and, and set the pace there for the Maple Leafs. They played decently out of the gate in the first period, and the third period was a little bit more back and forth, I would say. But still, the the Maple Leafs to me really outplayed the the New York Rangers. They deserve to get the two points tonight. But what always happens to the Maple Leafs? They got goalied. That's exactly what happened again here tonight with Igor Shosturkin standing on his head. 40 stops tonight. 40 stops. Unbelievable performance by him. Man, Shosturkin is, is he? This is the year we were kind of expecting from him last year a little bit. And there was some inconsistencies. There was the car accident on, on deadline day that kind of interrupted his season as well. But this is kind of what the Rangers have been hoping for for all those years. He was over in Russia and they were like, he's good. Once he gets here, he's going to be the guy. Don't worry. And now you're starting to see that from him. And, and this game was just a perfect example. Like he was standing on his head, even when he was making mistakes like that, that giveaway in overtime, he somehow gets in the way, makes the saves. And it was just a really impressive performance by him tonight. Oh, I know. I, I like silly me for thinking like, Oh, he made a mistake. That's it. That's game. No, no, it wasn't. 
because he made like three more saves on that play <laughs> on his way back into the net and then made another one once he finally got into position. A little bit of help, obviously, from uh, from from Jacob Truba's defensive uh, defenseman. But anyways, uh, a, a fun game, fun overtime, nonetheless, a strange game. Let's get to our three stars of this one. And Tony, I'll let you go first. Uh, who's your third star from tonight's game? He didn't end up with any points tonight, but Austin Matthews was just electric in his return. I can't not give it to him because he had 16 shot attempts, eight shots on goal tonight. Like how he didn't score. I I just don't understand it (laughs) because there was two chances in overtime. What the heck? There was two chances in overtime. There was the one where he deked the defenseman and then just flipped it over the net. And then there was the other one that, like you said, Truba tied him up just enough that he couldn't bang it in. But man, he was electric in his debut. Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, I'm just going to double-check and look it up, led the entire team with the individual expected goals of .48. So almost scored, uh, you know, had a couple of high-danger chances. You know, Matthews, like you said, he was absolutely electric. Played a lot, though. Like, considering he hasn't played at all, going out there playing almost 23 minutes, I thought was a little ambitious, but... You know, I heard him after the game saying he felt a little tired towards the end of it and was just pretty much playing on adrenaline. Uh, so maybe, you know, maybe dial it back a little bit, although they're off for a couple of days. I think they got, uh, what, three days off. They're not back until they play the Pen- or the Sharks on Friday. So I guess yep. skate him into the ground if you really had to. It's his, it's his first night back, uh, back with the Buds, so I guess that's all right. But, yeah, eight shots on goal, 16 attempts, 13 and 2 in the faceoff dot. 13 and 2. Great yeah, game. Wrist by is Austin looking Matthews. good. That's this uh, hey, it's looking real good. Uh he was also my third star. So that's also why I had like that little stat pack ready to rattle off. Uh second star I gave to Igor Shesterkin. I mean, stop 40 of 41 saves. We already talked about him quite a bit, how unreal he was for the blue shirts. Um, I saw a stat out there from Evolving Wild that he saved 2.26 goals saved uh, above average tonight, or goals saved more than expected. It said more than expected, but isn't that just goals saved above average? Is that not the stat? Yeah. Yeah, okay, that's what I thought. basically what it is. I saw somebody else tweet it saying, according to Evolving Hockey, but it is goals saved above average. So, realistically, this the Leafs should have scored three goals tonight. Like, they... They should have scored three. The one they got from Bunting, plus an additional two goals, and that should have been a 3-1 game. Never should have went to overtime. And based on the way that that game went, the based on the eye test, based on analytics, they would also agree that this should have been a 3-1 game. But, of course, you get goalied, and Shesterkin, who's getting my second star of the game, is the reason for that. Yeah, and, and my second star is going to the other goalie, Jack Campbell. 20, 21, 21 saves on the night. And he wasn't super busy throughout the first 60 minutes, especially kind of towards the end of the game. He kind of got antsy. You could see him getting outside of the net, trying to get touches on the puck. And then the way he played in overtime, there was a few 10 bellers he made the glove save where he just robs a bandage ad. Like there was a few saves in overtime that were just must have saves and he didn't get the final one, but man, did he ever play well tonight? 
Yeah, he was fantastic, uh, you know, all game long. He didn't have to be great through the middle portion of that game, but sometimes that's even more difficult than when things ramped up in overtime. The fact that he was there to make that stop on Zibanejad after not really facing much high-quality chances uh, really at all throughout the night, certainly not in the you know latter 40 minutes of that game. So it was nice that, that he was still engaged and still there to make the stops, and which I thought is interesting about Campbell, too. Like, remember last year? early on he suffered from fatigue and the fact that he's now played in his fourth game in six nights and is still feeling good like I just listened to his post gamer and he said that he's feeling pretty good he didn't take himself usually in post game Jack Campbell he's hard on himself wasn't as hard on himself today a little bit a couple of giggles he was smiling and you know I think he even he realized that he just got outclassed by the goaltender on the other side and that he did all he could to keep his team in it and 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 did enough to get the team the two points and the fact that they didn't for once he's not taking full responsibility for it uh, he just kind of understood that sometimes in hockey that's gonna happen so I like that about Jack Campbell. He finally showed that uh, he's not too, too hard on himself sometimes, that he can at least not be too, too hard on him sometimes. Uh, who's your number one star? Uh, my number one star is Igor Shosturk. And the, the game he played, just all, throughout the game, he was under pressure. And, and then in overtime again, just the ability to make the miraculous save after miraculous save. I, I don't think anyone else deserves the first star, but this kid was just fantastic tonight. He probably does deserve first star, but I wanted to actually give my first star of the game to the Maple Leaf centerman. 77% on the faceoff circle. Outstanding in the draws tonight, except the final one. And the final one is what cost him. But yeah. 77%, man, like that's that's amazing. That is well above average. That's very good percentage. And in general, when you control the puck off the draw like that, you you end up having good possession numbers. And, and the Leafs did, and they they did everything they could, but they just couldn't pull it out at the end because Shostorkin was just fantastic. Well, you look at the 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 shot discrepancy. It was like what forty one to to twenty three, I think it was. Yep. And that's why, like that is why they get possession. They have the puck in the zone, and then they're taking shots. Also, very shoot happy today. Uh, I found the the Maple Leafs very high volume shooting. It seemed like they were just trying to get everything they could on net. Um, not necessarily meaning that a lot of it was of high quality, but you know the one goal that they did score, Michael Bunting's goal, was kind of just Morgan Riley smartly tossing it on net and Bunting going hard, kind of gets a piece of it, and then there may have been some contact with Bunting and the goaltender, but the puck ends up into the back of the goal. And that was the tying uh, tying goal, and evidently the the goal that ends up getting the Leafs a point since it was the only one that they had scored. Um, I I personally liked. Uh, actually, you know what? Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll chat a little bit more about the game, what we liked, what we didn't like, and then we'll play uh, a little bit of cosine, no sign as well. So stay tuned here on the Lockdown Lease podcast. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for your auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and then choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, price at Rock. 
Rock Auto are always reliably low, and the same for the professionals as the do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or your truck, and write Locked On on their How'd You Hear About Us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts a car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends logging for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle. And a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings you all your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows in all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's a no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. All right, welcome back to the Locked On These Podcast. Mike DiStefano with you, the host of this program. Tony Ferrari, a uh, draft contributor to the Hockey News, um, joining me to break down tonight's game. Maple Leafs losing 2-1 to in overtime to the uh, New York Rangers, or Temi Panarin with the overtime winner. A uh, couple of things, uh, or a couple of players that I, I liked their game tonight. One I want to talk about with you and get your thoughts on them. But I actually I, I kind of liked what I saw in Morgan Riley tonight. I thought that he played pretty well. I felt that he was really engaged offensively, activated quite a bit. He was on the ice for 27 and a half minutes, had four shots, three hits, couple of blocks, assisted on the bunting goal. Um, I, I liked what I saw to Morgan Riley. What did you think of his game tonight? Yeah, he's been really good all year so far, I think. He's been a guy that I, I, I've been hoping he'd have a good year because it is his contract year. And as much as you don't want him to necessarily price himself out in Toronto, <laughs> I think he kind of already has. And so I, I want him to have the best year he possibly can. And he's been really, really good so far. So seeing him play well has been really nice to see. Yeah, absolutely. Um, who else uh, is somebody that you really liked uh, tonight's game? In tonight's game, I thought Rasmus Sandin really kind of looked his best so, so far this year. I think he struggled at times, especially in his own zone. But this year, he was doing a really good job at cutting off paths and, and just getting his body position in, in good spots. So I think he had probably his best game of the year, and hopefully he can build off that because that Sandin-Dermott pairing I really like. So, yeah. I mean, as much as I want to see Timothy Lilligren in there, I think those two, if they can mesh well and they can play like they did tonight, they're going to have some good nights. I'm with you. I, I think they've been the most steady pair. I mean, they're not getting the toughest minutes, but I think they've been the most steady pair, most consistent pair out there so far this season. Um, I think Sandin is just getting better and better with every game. That game against Ottawa on the weekend, I thought he was phenomenal, like especially that that first period. Like he was just absolutely outstanding, making some smart reads with the puck. Uh, he was engaged offensively. He was making some some good plays in his own end. Uh, and Dermott hasn't given you a reason not to like his game either. Together, they've been really, really good. Like I said, they're not getting the they're not going up against you know the top players at all. They're getting you know some easier minutes, but still, they're playing very, very well. And I've been impressed with that pairing so far uh, myself. 
Somebody who I have not been impressed with. One of the newcomers that really I I, I don't I don't know if he's got it. I, I don't know if he's gonna stick with the with the Maple Leafs, but Nick Ritchie right now, I would be yanking him off that top line. How long do you think his leash is right now? I have a feeling they're gonna give him quite a long leash. And I, I'm agreeing with you because I don't think I don't think he deserves that long leash because Man, he has looked kind of lost out there. It's almost like he doesn't know exactly what to do. But let's be honest, we kind of all know what he's got to do on that line. Like, he's not going to be the guy that's going to be being the puck possessive guy. Like, he needs to get to the net. He needs to get in those corners and dig. And there's just so many times where he just seems either behind Matthews and Marner or like tonight or behind Marner and Tavares on previous nights. And it's it's really kind of awkward. And then when he does get down in the zone, it's like, of course, he's the last one back in the defensive zone because he's (laughs) digging in the corners and then he's not fast enough to get back. So I I hope he kind of works out a little bit better. But man, like he yeah, he has not looked great. No. And here's one of the things when it comes to Nick Ritchie and why I'm not so sure he's a good fit with them. Like the thing that made the line of Marner, Matthews, and Hyman so good, and and why Hyman was was a really good fit with them, and it worked for what they're trying to do. Like they would dump the puck in, and Hyman was first on the forecheck. Like he was in there, and he would you know get the puck, get possession back, and then feed it up to Matthews and Marner, and allow them to do their thing in the offensive zone, and then he would go to the front of the net. Unfortunately, Richie just doesn't have the foot speed to do that, so they're not really getting controlled possession as much as they were unless they're taking it over themselves. And that's a lot harder to do than it is for the whole dump and chase. That's where I have the issue with Richie. I just don't think he has the foot speed to fill that, that Hyman role that everybody wants him to fill on that line. Yeah. It's really hard to be the first guy in on the four check when you're the third guy into the offensive zone exactly. on your own line. So it's really tough to see, but they, they, I think they do have a solution on the team, and I think it's Michael Bunting. Like, yeah. We've seen him kind of do everything you've seen, wanted to see from Hyman in the last couple of years, and while I don't know if he's quite the Hyman level, I've seen some people going, oh, maybe he's better, and I'm like, <laughs> let's be honest. Like Hyman had a really good last two years, guys. Like, Let's not get cr- crazy, but Bunting does a lot of what Hyman does, so maybe you get him up on that line, and maybe you get 80%, 90% of what Hyman was last year, and, and that's a pretty good player, so Managing him with them, and then you can kind of cycle guys into that that second line with Tavares and Nylander because I think you, everyone kind of knows what those two are going to do, and you just need to find a fit with them. And maybe it's Kerfoot, and now that the, everyone's kind of healthy, I I like Kerfoot. I I thought that he actually played really well in Matthews's absence up on the second line. So that's someone who I wouldn't mind giving an opportunity to. And then you drop Nick Ritchie down to probably the fourth line, if I'm being quite honest with you. Although, yeah. Uh, a line of like this is where it's it's almost like a catch twenty two because then you sit there and you're like a line of Spezza, Simmons, and Nick Ritchie. Not a lot of foot speed. Is that really a line that you want to throw out there together? It's it is a little bit it, like if he doesn't fit in the top six, it's almost like Nick Ritchie doesn't really fit on this team, which is troubling because of the contract that he signed. Yeah, and, and, and I think that's kind of where you look at a guy like Spezza and you go, maybe he goes up to the third line and, and then you end up having Engvall, so you still have that speed on the yeah, fourth line. Yeah, that's So I, I think maybe Spezza's a guy that you could push up to that third line because, I mean, we've seen it every, all, all year the last couple of years. Like, this guy is just producing still at a ridiculous clip, and maybe you don't push his numbers up too crazy high, but you, you get him on that third line more often than not, and, and that's who you kind of give those extra minutes to rather than giving them to Nick Ritchie, who – as we kind of said, hasn't really done a whole lot. Yeah, that's the thing, though. Like, Spezza, I think what's made him so good is that he's out there for just, like, 12, 13 minutes. Yep. 
but he's 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 able to play at a high level for those 12, 13 minutes. If he starts to stretch that ice time a little bit, you start to give him a little bit more responsibility. I wonder if that play starts to drop off a little, but you may have to at some point. We'll see. Um, but speaking of Spezza and, and, and like that fourth line in general, I actually thought they had a really good game. Yeah, they did. I think that fourth line, you're seeing if we could keep that fourth line, ideally, I'd love to do it because it's played really well together. And I think they all know their roles. They know what they're doing and they're doing it at a very high mm-hmm. level. Like you saw them out there against the Rangers top line at times today and they looked quite good against them. Like they didn't they held their own and didn't look kind of like an overmatched uh, line, a matchup like you were going to expect it to be. So I think that's a really good fourth line. If you can keep it together and not have to put Richie there as, <laughs> as bad as that sounds, then that's kind of what I'd be hoping to do. Can I tell you a secret? Go for it. Which is going out to like the thousand listeners of this podcast, so it's a pretty bad secret. Um, I'm almost to the point where if if this team is fully healthy and I'm in charge of the lineup card, I don't know if Rick Nick Ritchie makes the lineup. Ooh. I was not a huge fan of the Ritchie signing initially. So I, I can't even really defend it. Me either, it but I never I never envisioned him not being part of this team. Like, yeah. I thought at the very least, okay, you could toss him on the third and fourth line. And, I mean, you could. I You could. He's still an NHLer probably. But I just look at this team. Like, if fully healthy, I like Bunting, uh, Bunting Matthews, and Marner. And then Kerfoot, Tavares, and Nylander. Uh, Mikheyev, Kampf. Kasha, and then Engvall, Spezza, and Simmons. Like, to me, that looks like the best line that the Leafs could possibly ice. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. And you go, where do you put Richie on that lineup? And as we kind of discussed on that fourth line, you don't want to break them up, and you don't want to kind of hamper everyone without any speed and take Engvall off that line. So then you go, okay, can you put him on the third line? And how much are you getting out of him that you're not going to get out of Mikheyev or David Kampf? And I think Andre Kasha still got some offensive upside that that line kind of gives a little bit of oomph to. Like I, yeah. I can see Kasha scoring some timely goals this year. So especially with the way that third line's played went went together and in, in him and David Kampf. So I, I, man, it's tough to get Richie on, on a fully healthy lineup, but you know they're probably going to do it because of that contract, at least for the for the, for the first half of the season. Yeah, they're going to try and make it work. They kind of have to try and make it work uh, realistically just based on the contract alone. And uh, even, I think it was after Saturday's game, Sheldon Keefe was like, oh, I, I liked Richie. He did some good things uh, in the neutral zone. I'm like, in the neutral zone? Whoever praises somebody for their neutral zone play? Like, that's basically just being like, yeah, it was okay. Like, He's all right. <laughs> yeah, realistically, I, you, you know me. I'm a prospect guy, and, and one of the kisses of death I always find when I'm describing prospects is when I go, "Well, they they they're good, kind of in the transition game in, in the neutral zone, but they haven't quite figured out how to transition those tools to the offensive zone and the defensive zone." And, exactly. And if and if you're Nick Ritchie and you're only good in the neutral zone, let's be honest, at 250 pounds, like that guy's not that good in the neutral zone. He's not <laughs> transitioning the puck with possession or anything. No. So. What exactly are you loving about him in the neutral zone? So, yeah, that isn't the necessarily the best uh, sales pitch for Nick Ritchie. No, to me, that was just a big old, uh, yeah, well, he's making two and a half million, <laughs> so we got to try and make it work as much as possible. So I'm going to say a 
not bad thing about him, but also not a great thing about him. Basically, a non-answer uh, is what that was to me. Um, enough bashing Nick Ritchie. I think we've done enough of that. Plus, it's only four games. I mean, he, yeah. he could turn it around, you know. But through four games, it has not been great um, so far, I guess. But of the newcomers, uh, who have you liked most? And I'm going to take Michael Bunting away from your options because he's the obvious answer. So who else have you liked from this team? Well, even if you gave me Michael Bunting, I still probably would have gone with David Comp. And, and it's it's mostly because of the expectation I had for him coming in. Uh, as you know, I'm a I like to look at analytics. I'm a guy that likes to push pace, offensive game, and that's always been what I, I've craved. That's why I've been a Nylander supporter forever. But David Comp came in, and they're his tw- touted as this defensive guy. And every time I've watched him, I've just watched offense die on his stick and. I'm like, man, this is not a guy like I care about having on my team whatsoever. And and he's done an excellent job of driving possession. He's done an excellent job of being that defensive presence and just being such a good penalty killer specifically. Like you've seen the penalty kill change dramatically this year. And I, I, I'm personally loving how much they're pressuring the puck and pressuring the puck carrier and getting the puck out so quickly and so efficiently on the penalty kill. And David Combs a huge part of that. And then at five on five, playing with guys like, Angval at times and, and he's played with Kasha all season long and if you can get that Mikheyev line out with him when we talked about with Mikheyev getting healthy eventually like I think that could be a line where he's able to do exactly what he's been doing so far and getting the puck to those skilled guys getting mm-hmm. the puck to the guys that can actually do something offensively and then re- maintaining that defensive role and he gets his nose in the slot he gets his nose into the net and he does some dirty work along the boards and he knows what he is. He's not going to be the guy that scores in that line, but he's going to be the guy that kind of pushes the play that way. So I I, I love what David Combs brought to the, the lineup, specifically because I didn't think he was going to bring anything, to be completely honest. <laughs> one of the things that I've actually, like, even one of the things that I've noticed of him, just something that's, like, kind of subtle that doesn't get talked about but is insanely important and something that has helped with this team He's really good at clearing away rebounds. Like he seems to yeah. have a nose for the net, and when the puck ends up out in front of the goal, he's pretty good to sweep it away pretty quick. Whether it's sending it back, uh, you know, the other way up into the neutral zone, or whether it's tossing it over to the boards into the corners, he's pretty good at uh, getting that puck out of the danger areas um, when he's in and around the crease area, which is what you want out of a defensive center, realistically. So, yeah, David Camp, I think, has been um, – I, I was anticipating for him to be uh, a fixture in this lineup, to be good, but he has also exceeded my expectations. And I had, I'm not high expectations, but I thought, like, yeah, this will work, but it has worked and it has exceedingly worked. It's been a really good matchup, um, and it's giving Keith like, that true – matchup line that true defensive line that he's been really searching for since he took over for uh for this team uh but anyways we'll uh kind of turn the page on tonight's game once again maple leafs falling two to one in overtime to the new york rangers which was the first time that we got to watch the the Toronto Maple Leafs play a non-canadian team since well the bubble in columbus um which was back what August of 2020, and the only yeah. reason why the only reason why they even got to play in Canada then or in Toronto to host an American team was because Toronto technically hosted the uh, the the playoffs, right? Or else this would have been the first time that Toronto has hosted an American team 
since would have been, I guess, March of 2020. Yeah, so... First time that they got to to listen to two national anthems in a while. They are down at the Scotia Bank Arena. Um, too bad uh, they had to get goalied and they couldn't celebrate the two points in Austin Matthews' debut. Also, first time Austin Matthews was held pointless in a season debut in his career. So uh, the guy's a bust, absolute bust. They should trade him. It's over for get his career. Him. Yep, get rid of him. Go to Arizona. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, all right, coming up next, we're going to play some cosign and no sign here on the Lockdown Lease podcast. We're back and better than ever. All eyes on the gridiron as teams are back to start another football season. And they're getting back onto the ice for some hockey. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, contests, BetOnline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything Football, you can head to the website or use your promo device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial investment just for signing up. Don't forget to use the promo code NFL100. From football, basketball, boxing, hockey, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, welcome back to Locked on Leafs. Mike DiStefano, the host of this program, joined alongside me. I've got Tony Ferrari from the Hockey News uh, talking about today's game. Uh, If you missed the previous, which you wouldn't have because this is a podcast and people don't miss things because they're listening to it from the start. So scratch what I just (laughs) said. Uh, Clearly, you listened to the first two, and if you didn't, shame on you. Uh, and go listen to it because there's some good stuff. We had some good conversations about that game. But now we're going to play some cosine, no sign. Uh, so if you are new to the podcast, this is a game that I like to play when I have guests on uh, periodically. Basically, what the way that it works is uh, I'm going to make a statement, as will Tony, and we will either cosign that statement or we will no sign that statement and then give our explanation as to why. So, Tony. You are the guest. I will let you go first with your first statement. Ooh, all right. Jake Muzzin has been the Leafs' worst defenseman to start the season. Oh, this is such a spicy meatball. I'm not saying it's going to last, but to this point, I think it's either him or his partner, and and Jake Muzzin has not looked great. Dude, I'm co-signing that, man. Yes, I was having this conversation. I don't know if I had it on Leafs Lunch or I was having it off air, but I was having this conversation that he did not look good. It was through through the first two games. I was like, he doesn't look good at all. I looked a little bit better the last couple, but... Yeah, because I've I've actually liked the, the top pairing. Like Brody, Brody has been almost inexistent, which is exactly what you want from TJ Brody. Hmm. So that's perfect. And Morgan Riley, we talked about earlier in the podcast how we've liked his game this season. The way that he's really playing a strong two way uh, two way game, I think is is really good. And that lot that pairing has worked. The third pairing has worked. It's really been that shutdown pairing of Justin Hall and Jake Muzzin. And let's be honest, uh, Justin Hall. First of all, didn't even play the other night. But and second of all, he's only as good as his D partner, Jake Muzzin. And if his partner is playing poorly, well, then all of a sudden, Justin Hall's numbers go way down. So, yeah, I'm going to co-sign it. Jake Muzzin, 
you gotta get it picked up, brother. That the the Leafs need you to be a stud defensive defenseman. They need you in those matchup roles. Uh, he 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 can't be you know given the puck up in his own zone numerous times like he has this season. He honestly feels like he's got a grenade on his stick every time he's trying to transition the puck up. Like I swear, he just like oh my god and just gets rid of the puck and he turns it over. He has not looked good uh, at all. His positioning hasn't been very good. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna co-sign that one. And what worries me is that he also looks a little bit slow and Jake Muzzin is now 32 going to be 33 in February yep and if I'm not mistaken with the goal tonight he's been scored on every he's been on the ice for a goal against in every game this season so far (sighs) yeah yeah that would make sense that would definitely make sense yeah it's not great not great hope again we're only four games in, so let's not overreact. I'm not saying that he's done. You know, he's he's on the other side of the hill, but uh, it's a it's a concerning trend. Four games in, let's hope that he can turn it around. All right, yeah. my first one for you, Austin Matthews is still your front runner to win the Rocket Richard. Oh, I co-signed this one big time. And actually, I looked. I was looking at the odds today and the Vegas odds. And if I'm not, if uh, from what I saw today, he was still the betting favorite to win the Rocket Richard, even without with missing the first <laughs> three games. So I, I think this guy's still going to put up 50 goals this year, regardless. I think he's maybe going to challenge 60, even if he gets hot. And man, like this guy's so much fun to watch. And you look at a, a night like tonight where you're like, wow, he didn't score, but he had eight shots on goal, <laughs> 16 attempts. Like this kid's unreal. <laughs> The the only thing, like, I, I guess I'll co-sign it since I'm, you know, uh, it's in my best interest to co-sign it. But I don't <laughs> know if you saw Connor McDavid score from the right circle the other day. The one-timer? The one-timer from the right circle. Apparently last year he had attempted that exact shot 18 times and was over. And he really worked on that shot, his one-timer specifically, over the offseason season. And seeing that goal go in, and and like he pounded that shot into the back of the net, somewhat I think puts him on track to really contend here with Austin Matthews for the Rocket Richard. Because if he adds, you know, any other type of element, if he adds the one timer, if he adds that slap shot to his arsenal, the already insanely wicked and gross arsenal that Connor McDavid has. That certainly will give Austin Matthews uh, a good run for his money here in the rocket race. And my only defense against that will be the fact that Matthews played hurt last year towards the end of the year that yeah. the wrist was all messed up and he was still putting a massive number. So hopefully with a, a fully healthy wrist, I think he could maybe even take that next step. That's why I said, even still, I think he could push 60 this year. And I would, I would love to see a McDavid Matthews rocket race t- towards the end of the year. No, I, th- I think we're going to see it, man. I think we're going to see it. I think those two are going to finish one, two in goals this year. I really do. Uh, what's your second one for me? Uh, my second one for you is that William Nylander finishes above Mitch Marner in the scoring race this year. Oh, wow. I'm going to no sign it. Um, I'm a big William Nylander guy. By scoring, I assume you mean points, not goals. Yes, yes. yes. Sco- uh, points. So I'm, I'm going to no sign it. Um, I, 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 I'm, I'm big on, on Willie. 
I came out, one of my uh, bold predictions was that he was going to have a 40-goal year. I still actually believe that he'll have a 40-goal year. The problem is I also think that Mitch Marner could put up 100 points. So um, I, I, I'm going to no-sign it. Like, Marner's just too skilled. And, I mean, I know it hasn't gone well to start the season. He's had his looks. Mm-hmm. He's had his chances. Just nothing's going in the back of the net for a lot of these players, you know, Matthews had a couple of good opportunities, didn't work tonight. Um, both Marner and Tavares have had some good looks the last couple of nights. I mean, they both missed on twice. They had empty nets in Ottawa and either hit the post or got the shot blocked. It's just been bad luck for them to start the year. But eventually, they will score one goal, and then they'll come in bunches, and the fountain of goals will explode. And I think that uh, you know Mitch Marner and the rest of the Maple Leafs will start scoring a lot more uh, in the coming. Because they're, what, four games? They're averaging two goals a game, just eight goals through four games. That's not going to sustained through the rest of the season. I think the goal scoring will pick up, which means your top guys playing your top minutes, like Mitch Marner, is definitely going to produce a lot more. So I think, uh, yeah, Marner will finish ahead of William Nylander, so I'm going to no-sign that one. Yeah, and as much as I would love to co-sign that, I have to no-sign it as well. You know I'm a huge William Nylander guy, but I can see him putting up 40 and 40 and hitting 80, but like you said, Mitch Marner could challenge 100 this year, and I wouldn't be shocked at all. So, uh, yeah, I'll no-sign my own as well. All right, uh, Michael Bunting will score twenty plus goals this season. I've got I got to co-sign that one because yeah. I was going to say twenty five. Like I, I think this guy's going to have a big year, and I, I didn't know what to think about him because he he did have that super limited sample size. But then watch I watched some tape in the summer, and I'm like, he's doing st- stuff right. So I don't know why he hasn't gotten to this point before, but. I mean, you look at him now with the Leafs and he's scoring all these greasy, ugly goals. And I think that's what the Leafs needed. And they need that Hyman role. And as we talked about earlier, like I think there's a chance we could see him elevated to that top line and playing with Matthew and Matthews and Mitch. So I think he's going to have a big year and I think he's only going to benefit from playing in that top six. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, I think I also made the prediction on overdrive that he was going to score 25 plus goals if he can remain in the top six. And uh, there's nothing that I've seen through unlike Nick Ritchie, where I'm ready to yank him out of the top six through four games, Michael Bunting, I'm ready to just send him up to the top line and give him 18, 19 minutes a game because I just can't get enough. I mean, not only the fact, because he also high volume shooter, he's shooting a lot and he's getting, he's shooting from in tight, which means he's getting some good looks as well. But also just such a greasy pest. Like he's drawn penalties in three of the four games as well. Like he's just doing a lot of of little things too that helps this team win. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm with you, man. Twenty to twenty five. I, I see that coming out of Bunting this year. He was also one of my dark horse uh, Calder Cup nominees as well. Uh, all right, last one from you. All right. This one's going to be a little bit even spicier than the last, and that's Jack Campbell is a finalist for the Vesna Trophy. Oh, as much as I would love for that to happen, I don't think it will. I'm going to no-sign it. I mean, this. I think the statistics will be there. I just don't know if the workload will be there. You know what I mean? Like, I feel yeah. like this is going to be a tandem. You know, I know Mrazek's gone for a couple of weeks, 
But at some point, you know, he could also go down with an injury. Jack Campbell has never been, you know, the healthiest, uh, the healthiest hospital bill himself, right? So at some point, I could see him missing time and also just a little bit of a correction. Um, I'm going, yeah, I'm going to no sign it just based on volume. That that's really yeah. the only reason why I think he 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 can, you know, in his performance, like on a per game performance. Yeah, I think he can be as good as these other Vesna nominees. Just don't know if he's going to get the bulk of games to really put himself in that conversation. Yeah, if he does end up getting a nomination, I could see it being like one of those Varlamov nominations from a few years back, where it's like, yeah, his numbers are miraculous, and he had great numbers last year, and we saw that. So if it's workload expanded a little bit more maybe even he gets some more kind of votes and everything in, in that that's what could happen this year if Mrazic does end up missing time and Jack somehow doesn't but we kind of expect him to at some point but if he kind of has those high numbers he could get that third nomination and kind of be that guy that everyone's like he's nominated and good for him but he has no chance because Vasilevsky and whoever else are just putting up ridiculous numbers this year and doing it in a huge workload so yeah I, I don't know if he actually gets the nomination but I think it'd be fun to see uh, third one for you. Um, Tony Ferrari is in favor of the relaxed dress codes. Oh yeah, baby. I mean, <laughs> look at how wild John Tavares got. He untucked his shirt today, dude. That what a was, rebel! It, it legitimately just looked like he got a, off of like a two week bender and just like it showed was up so to wrinkly. Work the next day. Right, like he needed <laughs> a, a like just use a steamer and iron something. I, I don't know what what that was. Like, if you're gonna come in here and do business casual, I don't know why you showed up in like that. I just you, you know I, what I that was. Know, he he had he had forgotten it in the bottom of the the laundry basket, and he's like, oh, I didn't have time to fold all these. I'll just pull this out of the bottom, and ah, it's a little wrinkly. It'll, it'll straighten out on the ride on the ride to work. And then he untucked it, and it looked just like. <laughs> droopy at the bottom yeah bad luck bad luck and honestly if i saw that and i was kyle dubas right away i'm sitting there i'm saying all right a they lost the game b our captain looked like a mess uh we're not gonna do this anymore <laughs> yeah honestly i'd so, be like guys listen just come in sweatpants because that's better than whatever john was doing <laughs> i honestly like i almost no sign this like I, why is this a big deal? Like the yeah, type that's of my clothing thing too, like, that you wear in this, like, why is this a big deal? It really shouldn't be. Yeah, that's kind of always been my thing. Is who cares really? Like, let the, just who cares? Yeah, like it's. I don't think it's going to equate to play on the ice. So we spent too much time talking about it as is, but I did want to kind of get your thoughts. And I also didn't talk about it at all on the podcast yet. So I figured, eh, this is a good time to chat about it. Uh, Tony, thank you so much for joining me as always. Uh, it was a blast. And, uh, well, I, I, if, if you're up for it, we'll bring you on plenty, plenty more through the rest of the season. I don't see why not, Mikey. I enjoy talking to you, bud. As do I, and as do the listeners. Uh, that will do it. Uh, that will do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Locked On Leafs podcast on all podcasts and platforms, and receive daily Leafs content. Follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show at Locked On Leafs. Follow Tony at the Tony Ferrari on Twitter. Tony, you got anything that you're working on right now for the hockey news? I'm um, doing a, actually a Russian prospect kind of 
round about the the countries over in Europe, Finland, Russia, Sweden, all that, and kind of just choosing a few players who've been off to hot starts early in the season. And then I've got my game tape videos that are coming out every week. So check those out as well. And before I let you go, I did not have you on, which I, w- I wanted to. We both just got really busy. But I did not have you on to give me, like, your sneaky, dark horse, Maple Leafs prospect that you're keeping an eye on this season. Who is that guy? Uh, it's not fair because he's not going to be on the Leafs this year. But Toby Nemola, again, like, this kid's going to be ridiculous this year. And, and if you want one even deeper, Dimitri Ovchinikov, he's getting ch- time at the KHL level. And he's still super thin. He's got to put on some weight. But... The skill and speed on that kid are going to be are crazy. So definitely kind of watch those two over in Europe, and I'm sure I'll be updating and, and stuff like that throughout the year as well. See, guys, this is why we get Tony Ferrari on the pod because I, I put him on the spot. I didn't let him know I'm asking this question about these these prospects that no one's thought about since they've been drafted two years ago, and he's all excited and hopped up to talk about them. He's like, oh, if you want a deeper one, let's go with this Ochenikov kid. It's just spectacular, spectacular work. Go follow him on Twitter. Uh, follow his work at the Hockey News as well. Tony, thanks so much, man, for uh, for joining us tonight. Anytime, buddy. Uh, I'll be back with another episode for you guys tomorrow, but until then, keep it locked right here on Locked on Leafs.